the Filmmakers Podcast exists thanks to your support. If you'd like to ensure that we can keep on exploring the filmmaking world with you, subscribe to our Patreon. The Podfix Network. Hello and welcome to episode 270 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films, and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up. In our very, very humble opinion, I am Giles Alderson, and I am delighted to welcome on this week's show, Chloe Chudasama and Leroy Kincaid. I have wanted these guys on the podcast for, it must be about a year now, and we're waiting for The Last Rite to come out. So we actually recorded this late last year, but everything is relevant. Everything is perfect for you as indie filmmakers to go out there and make your film right now, because they did exactly that. The Last Rite is an absolute delight. I saw it at Fright Fest. It is out now on Sky TV, on Amazon or Prime, and Rakuten, on all of the digital platforms as well. You can find it. The last right link to it will be in the show notes. So, are you, listener, amazing person that you are, are you willing to spend two to three years making your feature film? Are you? Because sometimes that's what you have to do. Sometimes it takes more time than that. I've got a friend who's been making a film for 20 years. In the meantime, they'll be making other films, but that film will come out one day. I'm pretty sure of it because it's a passion project and sometimes it takes a long time. But are you prepared to do it? On this week's show with Chloe and Leroy, we dive into that. We talk about the preparation of that, how knowing going into it, it is going to take time, why you need to invest in yourselves and why Chloe quit doing her events just to make the last right and why you have to go all or nothing when you're making your indie film and we also discuss why shooting the movie himself for Leroy was so important we also talk about why they only had a small crew of four and why it's so important to not scrimp on props or locations or casting and the importance of being prepared mentally Chloe also discusses the difficulties as a producer on an indie film and of course we dive into sales and distribution and how they got their little indie film on Sky Movies, how they got people raving about it, how it was the talk of Fright Fest. Oh yeah, you're in for an absolute treat this week. As always, to be fair, it's so nice that I get so much feedback from people saying how much they love the show. Uh, it really is a joy because it means we're on the right path. We're doing something right oh and don't forget to join our patreon i say it every week and toby made a brilliant comment he said it's a bit vague i went all right and he wrote a little list so our patreon includes this is just this week's by the way we have so much bonus content on there this week's is finding the balance of making a living and being creative you want to know that get on there now what about leveling up your skills as a dop that's on there too. Or working as a director and DOP at the same time on set. That's some of our bonus content this week. 
Like I say, there is so much more on there. If you love this, don't forget to tell your pals, but also you love it even more and want more in your life right now, go to patreon.com forward slash filmmakers podcast. Link to that is in the show notes. It really is worth it. It really is. And it helps us. It really does help us grow. A couple of weeks ago, we had Dustin Murphy hosting this podcast with myself and Jennifer Sheridan under the spotlight. And what a great host he was because that was live from Kino. And Kino is having its People's Film Festival right now. We've been shouting about this on Twitter, but it's happening April the 2nd to the 9th, which is now uh, 2022. But if you're listening to this in the future, <laughs> you've missed it. Uh, but if you haven't, it's a live event and it's streaming online. Head down, chat to indie filmmakers, chat to short filmmakers, chat to other people who are making films or want to make films like yourself. Be brave. Open up your heart, open up your mind and just go there. And I know it's difficult. It's really difficult to just go, hi, I'm a filmmaker too, but sod it. If that's what you want to do, sometimes you have to go beyond your comfort zone and do it. So that's the People's Film Festival. Link to that is in the show notes. And also our fantastic fellow host Dom Lemoire's film, When the Screaming Starts, is playing at the London Independent Film Festival this Sunday the 10th of April, which is a couple of days after the People's Film Festival finishes, so you can do them all. It's at 6pm at Genesis Cinema in Hackney in London, and the link to that is in the show notes as well. But if not, just go to the Genesis Cinema website, book tickets. Again, I saw this at Fright Fest, thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Connor Burrow has done a brilliant job of directing, Dom Lamar has always done an amazing job of producing, and the acting is super. So do get down and watch that. We will have Connor on a future episode when the film is ready to be released. Speaking of amazing performances, The Last Right will blow you away. Bethan Waller is brilliant in this film. She's an absolute find. Uh, also starring Johnny Fleming, Tara Hoyas Martinez, Kit Smith, Ian McNaughton, Deborah Blake, David Kerr, Hella Stitch Lemaire and Joe James, just to name a few. It really is worth your time. Seek it out. It's on Sky Movies now. What are you waiting for? Listen to this podcast. Go watch the movie tonight. Why not? Support, support, support. There we go. So much information for you on this week's episode. You have no excuses. I'm booking my can film festival trip right now are you are you doing the same it's really a place you need to go as an indie filmmaker you definitely get to chat to filmmakers you definitely see what the market is all about and then you realize you are one in a thousand maybe one in a million of filmmakers of films that all potentially look like yours that are just another poster just another trailer and it's so important to get that right so important that you think about your marketing and who your audience is before you make your film. Anyway, I'll be at Cannes, so maybe I'll see you there. I think I'm doing some talks and events, so do come along. I'll let you know if they're happening. But this week, I have delivered Wolves of War, uh, my World War II film. Very excited by that. It stars Ed Westwick, Rupert Graves, uh, Sam Gittings, Matt Willis, Anastasia Martin, Max Hildebrand. The list goes on. And do you know what? My post crew were incredible. It was so tough to deliver. There were so many issues, problems, trying to do it all socially distanced on Zoom, etc, etc. But we did, and it has been delivered. That is super exciting. We've also now got all the final shots in for Three Day Millionaire. We popped up to Grimsby a couple of days ago to get the last shot. That feels great. Now we're in the final stages of the edit. Should be picture locked soon. Exciting. Right, let's get to that. It's boring. That's my news. You can't answer back. So you have to listen to this. Uh, you could skip, but why would you? <laughs> okay, here it is. Sit back, relax, and enjoy 
this week's Filmmakers podcast with the fantastic Leroy Kincaid, who is in Wolves of War, by the way, and the rather lovely Chloe Chudasama. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. So thank you, Chloe Leroy, for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure. Obviously, we've been chatting various events and Clubhouse and Leroy, you came and did a bit for me in Wolves of War as well. You know, so it's been really nice, weirdly, over lockdown to sort of connect with more filmmakers. I've really enjoyed that and it's been a real joy to meet you two. And then uh, obviously I came to see The Last Rite at Fright Fest where it had its world premiere and I I was blown away. It's incredible. And it's your debut movie. And I I was just like, like, we've got a chat on the podcast and get you guys on and talk. Maybe let's tell our listeners what The Last Rite is about and then we'll dive into that. Uh, so basically, um, The Last Rite is a supernatural horror that sits, I guess, between the worlds of Exorcism of Emily Rose meets Amateurville Horror. Mm-hmm. So it takes a little bit of a, a look uh, or an introspective look at sleep paralysis and somebody who's experiencing that and their life and how it's changed therein after the fact. Without giving too much of the plot away, it's just basically um, one of those films that for, for me as a filmmaker, like it speaks to my heart strings of, uh, let's say the genre that I love. Like, so I love mm. the 80s style horror. Um, I love yeah. films that sit a little bit more of a slower burn telling the story through characters and juxtapositions of things that don't normally get seen. But ultimately, the, the last right is, if you're a fan of that type of genre, you're a fan of amateur horror, fan of exorcism films, last right's for you. Love it. Great. It, it really is. It's that, I think it, it just takes you into that old school world, but also it's got a real modern twist. As much as you love those type movies, and I agree, it's fantastic. But what I think was clever about what, you guys did was you really took inspiration from there but you brought it into the modern world and you brought this its own unique look and feel to it and it's stunning and it's striking and i think that's testament to you guys so how did it come about why did you want to make a movie like this in the first place what was it that made drew you to this concept to be your debut movie so um when, when i come up with the idea i was in columbia at the time doing some um bit of stunt work on uh, Jack Ryan. In Colombia? Yeah, yeah, I cool. was in Colombia. So, right. you know, as, as you do, you, I'm just in the hotel, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and all that. And, and it's really weird how it came about because I had um, a random vision of uh, of a man stood in um, a fedora hat at the top of the stairs in like a silhouette. Mm. I had like no idea that it was going to lead on to me writing a film. But I'm one of those people that like, I sit with an idea or a concept or something and I see if it keeps tickling me to sort of go, oh, will I uh, explain? explore this realm a bit more or do I leave it? So I kept seeing this idea and I was like, well, vision, shall I say, of a guy on the stairs. And I was like, okay, let me dig into this a little bit deeper. So I also had um, episodes of sleep paralysis as a child. So I used to experience things which are very similar uh, to like what lots of people report um, seeing someone in Mm -hmm. the room, like running around doing whatever they were doing, just sort of terrorizing you in the state of like paralysis and sleep. So I was like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take parts of my experience and parts of research that I've done on experiences, put that into a story and then create a character in that world. So it's like, it's inspired by true events, let's say, um, but not a true story. Uh, but ultimately like the, the story came together 2018 
uh, had the script finalized early 2019 and then we started filming in 2000 when september 2019 august yeah august and during that time chloe was this always something that you were going look i'm going to produce this with you we're going to get this made what was the because you two are a couple can you remember that conversation where you said look we're going to do something i'd like to work together with each other talk us through that because it is difficult for couples to work together but also magical at the same time because you know each other and you can work well together yeah so i mean my background was very much not the film industry at all so a lot of my backgrounds come from live events so i've always worked in events um i've done a lot of press dance award shows um that kind of thing so that's kind of my experience um i've never thought about the film industry never had you know any inkling to really get into the industry um but it was i mean a few years ago what was it about six or seven years ago we started yeah. doing short films so Leo wanted to do short films um mainly for the start getting more work as an actor because he was mm. getting quite typecast with certain roles mm-hmm. um so he kind of embarked on doing shorts and I was like well okay I you know I know how to budget and I had to schedule from my job so I thought you know I just help out and yeah just help him do short films but at the time I was like oh, actually maybe this is what producing is um, not really realizing that's what I was doing mm-hmm. um so my journey kind of started really um really from those short films and then it was kind of after we done our third short film which was a fan film Max Payne Retribution mm. um we kind of sat down and had a conversation about you know is it something I want to do um and take it forward and become more you know, more invested in the role and take it further and take the company further that Lee was set up. Um, so that's kind of where I got involved and started. And then I was like, actually, I really love the film industry and I'm sort of starting to understand what producing is and, and the different roles. So really from that until we started um, doing The Last Right, it was kind of a progression from there that I was like, right, yeah, we want to do a feature film. And like together, we both want to take our production company further and yeah that's kind of how it kind of come about really it wasn't really a typical producing role as Mm. in like yeah I'm gonna you know do this thing for you um or find you know um IP and stuff it was more of a together thing so it happened organically I suppose then just by let's work together on the shorts and then suddenly it was like well why not take this further and also like when when I was in the uh Columbia process uh and was thinking of this idea I was like, you know, for the first time in a while, like I'm all of a sudden going to get like an injection of money. So Mm -hmm. I thought, well, shall we just go for it? And we had a conversation while I was in Columbia. I was like, okay, so what would be the stages? What do we need to do? How do we need to get this off the ground? And it was just a case of like, right, well, I'm going to have this amount to put in. Chloe did exactly the same, uh, even though she put a bit more in. And we just basically come together. We invested in some equipment when I came back got a camera, Mm -hmm. got some other bits. And then it all started from that, really. And it was just an accumulation process after. I love that the fact that you went, look, we want to make a film. We can do this. Like you say, you've come into some money. You were like, well, actually, I'd rather put this into a place of making a movie. Talk us through the mindset of that, because people can get frightened by putting money into their own films. They can get frightened of... I want to survive. I would rather buy a house, a car, a nice thing. And obviously that stops you making the films. And what you guys have done is gone, don't care. I, I want to make films. So therefore let's take the risk. Can you remember your mind process of that 
And, you know, was it like, you did you put all of it in? You know, did you get a lump sum that was kind of like, oh, it's all right because I could survive another way? It'd be really interesting. Yeah, I suppose that from, well, from my point of view, um, you know, we did speak to a few investors beforehand, but it was kind of the typical thing that every filmmaker hears is like, well, you haven't done a feature film, so how do we know we can invest in you and trust Indeed, what you're doing? sadly. Um, yeah, which is a bit of a pain, but, you know, I can kind mm -hmm. of see it when it's, it's a much bigger beast doing a feature film. Mm -hmm. But yeah, from my point of view, it was, you know, it was at that point where, you know, we'd done the short films, we were like, okay, do we really want to take this seriously? And, you know, do we really want to grow what we're doing together in our company? So if we do, then we need to just go all in, not wait for anyone else and just, you know, we need to have skin in the game as well. So it was the, for me, it was like the best decision we could have done. So basically, I worked full time for a um, sport and entertainment company which I'd been there for about seven years, pretty good job doing events. Nice. Um, and I quit that, <laughs> quit that job to basically do the last ride and then went wow. freelance. Yeah. So okay. I'm not sure I'd recommend it to everybody, <clears throat> but if you're in the right situation, then yeah. to me it was, you know, the perfect opportunity. So I kind of like worked my ass off as a freelance in the events world you know, tried to bank up as much money as possible while having enough to live on. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously Leeway had some money from what he was doing and it was kind of, we kind of just went all in on it, didn't we? And it's mm. like, you know, it's now or never yeah. really. And we want to we want to get in the industry properly. Yeah, well, it, the, you know, for, for myself, it's it was an all nothing thing like Chloe, to, to be fair. And um, the, the thing which I knew going in was that, like, we've got the money to do this much. Yeah. But that this much is going to be, that means I'm going to need to obviously edit it. I'm going to need to shoot it. I'm going to need to light it. I'm going to need to... <laughs> Anything that's post-production, pretty much, mm -hmm. apart from some sound design, even though I had a little dabble at some of that, was going to be the time investment from my side to make sure that that happens. Because a lot of uh, the, the money that we had was literally to just put onto the screen, you know, so it wasn't like thinking about post-production and stuff afterwards. It wasn't too, too much there for that. So it was a case of like, well, if we're going to make it work, we go all in, we make it work, and we fail our way forward, or we succeed moving forward. Mm. We do one of the two. Mm. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, we, we're, we're on the process of uh, having... Succeeding a, forward, 100% you are. Success story <laughs> forward, which is yeah. which is cool. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, like, it, you know, let's not kid anyone. It, it took a lot of fucking work, um, mm. and that was the key. Um, the most important thing was not necessarily about the money. It was about... Are we willing to put a year, two years, three years, or basically whatever it needs mm -hmm. into this window of opportunity now? Because it was a window of opportunity because for a long time when you're an aspiring filmmaker, an aspiring actor, an aspiring anything, you're not really earning money. Like, mm -hmm. you know, let's just be real about that. We're not earning money. So therefore, you, your aim is to get into a position so you can earn the money to do bigger and better things and move forward. So this was the first job when I got in Colombia where I was able to bank up a tiny bit of money, which meant I had an amount that I mm -hmm. could just go, I'd just chuck it in and forget I even had it. Right. And that was, that was, the, that was basically what we went with. So we did that. Chloe had some. Uh, we, we invested in camera mm -hmm. equipment and that. Um, I knew also that I needed to do some... Um, brushing up on like my talent so like upskilling because obviously where the undertaking of it was not just to direct it i had to shoot it as well mm. so i had to up my levels a little bit on the cinematography and lighting aspect as a 
get the mindset of a DOP. Mm. Um, but thankfully, like that, that has paid off in terms of for me as a director, like massively. How? Tell us. Tell us why. So the the key the key thing for me as a as a director, what that has given me is it's given me the ideal aesthetic to my version of what I would create in the mise en scene of a film. Mm -hmm. So not just like obviously sound design being part of that, which is important because I did that with the edit. But from the cinematography side of it, it's like the composition. Um, it's about the lenses. It's about the lens choices because, you know, why would I go with a vintage lens versus a new um, like lens? Mm -hmm. um, we did partner, like, talking of lenses, we did partner with uh, Zing uh, Lenses, mm -hmm. the, the Samyang company. Mm -hmm. um, so we partnered with them and they gave us like a full set of like Zing lenses just before the Zing CFs come out which nice. was like amazing. How did you partner up with them? Did you just email? Did you collaborate? Yeah, I spoke to, um, I think it was the lead sponsorship lady at Sam Yang and I just messaged them saying, you know, we're doing this film, we're up and coming filmmakers, you know, we've bought this camera and we'd love to partner with them um, and obviously offer them some behind the scenes footage of their lenses mm -hmm. and things. And yeah, literally they called me back and we're just talking about what we're shooting and what we're doing and it was, yeah, it was quite easy, actually. And they seemed interested in what we were doing and that we were kind of grassroots, DIY, you know, kind of trying mm. to make stuff happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then they just were like, yeah, you can have it for this length of time. And yeah, as long as you get some content of it and, and sharing of it, then it's, yeah, it's done. See, isn't yeah. that brilliant? Isn't it, it's, it's sometimes just asking, asking yeah. the question. You've totally. got nothing to lose. Hey, you can get contact for Sam Yang. Here you go, we're doing this. Can you help us? The amount of times I've heard indie filmmakers say that has worked. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you're not a dick about it, you're nice about it. Of course, they're going to pay interest because you could be the next whatever, but also because they want to help indie filmmakers. At that point, Chloe, are you now going, okay, well, I'm budgeting the whole thing. This is how much it'll cost. Locations. Were you already starting to move forward with that? And if not, tell us how that happened. Well, I suppose it was a backwards process compared to what you would normally do for a budget. You'd normally obviously break down the script and then work out how much it's going to cost. But mm. we only had a certain amount that we had. So it was kind of like, well, this is what we've got. Let's try and allocate it in the right way in terms of like, you know, locations, cast, crew, which there really wasn't a lot of crew. Apart from, how many crew did you have in the yeah, end? Apart from us two, um, two <laughs> others. Two others. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So you're doing everything. Yeah. So literally everything. Small crew of four. Four, four? of you. Yep. Four. And there was a there was occasional three, yeah. Because you must have had a sound guy, yeah, or girl, sound was, right? Yeah, sound guy. But sound yeah. was one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's ridiculous. Oh my it? gosh! <laughs> Making a film with yeah. four people is so hard, yeah. and, and the, the fact that you've got an incredible film at the end of it is hugely impressive. It's hugely impressive. So you're now at this point where you're going, okay. So you've working out how to do this are you thinking we're going to film in your own house or houses at this point was this something that was on the cards to make things cheaper no so we was at the point where right okay we you know we've got this amount of money this is we know how much we've got to spend mm -hmm. what we wanted to do was obviously put more money on screen so the first thing that i was looking at was locations mm -hmm. um so i kind of you know navigated the whole indie filmmaker based in kent which isn't i don't know if there's many but especially where we are we kind of used that as kind of an angle for a lot of our locations. Okay. Um, so I just started with finding the the house location and all the other, we've got about 15, no, about 14 locations in total, mm -hmm. which were all shot in Kent. So it was kind of just using knowledge of the area, you know, saying we're local filmmakers, this is what we're doing. 
pretty much most of them we did pay for. There was a couple that we didn't, that we had the lovely, okay. lovely owners who let us have the locations for free, but the majority of them were we paid for. So that's kind of how I started. And then, yeah, we found obviously Jonathan Ito, our incredible sound recordist, who was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was pretty much our sole only other crew apart from makeup. Yeah. And then I kind of just worked on then. I just literally had to really be excessively resourceful with what we could do because what we didn't want to do is um, scrimp on locations, props, and obviously cast. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we're going to do it independently, we need to make sure it's executed to the highest level. Amazing actors, you know, and it's something that people can watch and buy into and, you know, it really sells the film. So that's kind of how I started. And obviously with catering, I did, which I think I'll never do that again. Yeah, yeah so a lot of things. Oh, I've got sandwiches again. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've got cereal again. Yeah, oh, cereal yeah, for dinner. Cereal. <laughs> <laughs> things like that I did. My background before events and film was uh, fashion photography. So oh, wow. that kind of came in handy. So I did all the stills and I did the poster. The poster is amazing. You designed <laughs> the poster. You. Yeah, I did that. Mm. Just, just through <laughs> yeah. Impressive. Yeah, yeah, so for any producers out there, learn Photoshop because it's really bloody handy <laughs> for posters and social media yeah. stuff. Mm. Yeah, it is. Because you do have to do your own. Even if you do have a distributor sales agent on board, which you do, you still end up doing it yourself anyway, because you love your film so much, you want to push more and you want to put more out there. And you can't rely on anyone necessarily in this business to do everything that you care about your film. You have to do it yourselves. So, okay, this is even better. So it's just the four of you on set and most of the time, three of you, and you're doing everything into food and you've got quite a few amount, you know, decent amount of actors in there as well. It's not like you've just, you know, there's a lot of the time it's just two people, but at the same time, no, there's, there's more, you know, there's three or four, you know, there's a big old cast here, you know, it's considering it's just you guys in the house. And like you say, there's 14 locations. So there's a lot of moving and location um, logistics to do with all that as well. I was amazed when you said you'd also shot the movie as well. It was like, Okay, that's that's really impressive. What did you learn during that time then? What's the the key things you think you learnt that you could maybe put into small sentences for our listeners out there? The key really is to be prepared mentally and to ask yourself, like take yourself into a dark corner of a room on your own. Like you you cannot be influenced by what other people are going to tell you. You have to ask yourself, how far am I willing to go in this process? Am I all in or am I quarter in with a quarter out? And then the rest is floating around somewhere else because, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a, an allure to the, the industry. You know, a lot of people get starry eyes and they, 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 they love what the end result is, mm. but you've got to bleed massively for the craft to get your idea and vision across the line however you see it, whether you're a DOP, whether you're a writer, whether you're a director, um, whatever you're doing, as an, even if you're a cast, you know, we're all mm. bringing something to the table. But you've got to ask yourself, like, am I willing to go through hell to make it work? Because the key is it's not easy. Like, anybody that says it's easy is, a, like, completely lying. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I understand that, like, things come easier to some people, but... The, the key is, is just knowing in yourself that like you ultimately will have everything around you that you need, but you just have to dig a little deeper to find the, the ingredients to the cake that you're baking. Because a lot of the time we're, we're, we as um, a population of people are always looking outside of ourselves to find um, approval 
from other people or approval from a social society or collective to be able to say that we can do it. Mm-hmm. And the key is just to know that you can do it. You have to develop the ability to do it. I understand that. But if you're willing to go through the process, then everything is possible. I myself definitely had some nudges from people, you know, from people in certain circles that were like, ah, you know, you don't really want to film it. No, you don't really want to do editing with it as well. You mm-hmm. know, you shouldn't this, you shouldn't that, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I, I, I'm very much in a mindset, right? Um, and a mindset is the key intensis of the get you to where you want to go. If you're not willing to do what is needed and you're easily influenced, unfortunately, you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll struggle. You'll have issues. Mm-hmm. You'll have problems. But you sometimes you can't listen to what people's perspectives are of what you're doing. And the reason you can't listen is because they're judging your position and everything based on their perspective of what they would do, not what you are able to do. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference because what's too much for some people is not too much for others. And I think that's really important, not just in filmmaking, but just in life, that we we don't stop ourselves being the best version of ourselves because of what other people tell us we can and can't do. This, for me, is really important because it's like, who told me I could DOP the film? Yeah, probably no one, right? No, nobody told me I could DOP the film. I bet no one. Maybe Chloe, maybe. <laughs> but no, nobody was like, oh, Leroy, you should edit it. Oh, Leroy, you should... Yeah. I, I was just like, I just want to tell a story. Mm. So what do I need to do to tell that story? Oh, well, we definitely don't have the budget for the type of DOP I'd like to work with. So Indeed. Well, I need to maybe learn about that. Mm. And I, I'm so thankful that I went through a lot of these processes because as an editor, I was able to learn a mm. lot about how to construct a scene Indeed. beyond what was written. So like the, the deconstruction of the scene and killing your baby, as much as a weird process as I'm, I'm a bit psychotic with it, I love cutting stuff out. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I developed a bit of an OCD. Where can I cut? How can I cut more? How, mm-hmm. You know, because the thing is, is like, it, it's like there's three types of films you make. The one you write, you make the one that you end up shooting and then the one you edit, mm-hmm. you know, there's three versions of the film. Yeah. Now it's about, Each version has got its own process. But when you're in those processes, your mindset does have to shift because each one requires a different energy. Like one, you're on your own when you're writing Mm. it. One, Mm -hmm. you're around lots of people when you're shooting it. In your case, just four, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just four. Um, And then when you're editing, you know, you're either with a team or Mm -hmm. like myself through 2020, it was just me in the room and the machine just having it out plugging it away just going for it do you know i love what you just said i think it's inspiring as hell and so important for so many filmmakers out there who are going oh how can why can't why is netflix not getting back to me about my series why is no well here's a perfect example go learn to do it yourself and i'm not saying everyone can do that and i know how difficult it is but leroy's just done that and he's produced an amazing film with chloe here that's ridiculously inspiring when you see it you'll realize and you go oh wow okay they did that and, that, and that's something no one will ever be able to take away from either of you. The fact that you've done that and you've gone, yeah, we're, we're going to do this. Here's how we're going to do it. And let's just get on with it. And I always say this about the editing side. You learn so much 
about you as a director when you see the edit when you're sat in the edit going oh, I didn't get him to finish the scene I said cut too early or, I haven't got an out here I haven't got a hand I haven't got a, you know a close-up of the thing I need to tell the story in your case you could probably go hey maybe we'll go pick that up maybe because it's a small amount of you, you can maybe do that in your own house or pick find somewhere maybe you could do it but most of the time you can't do that it's really difficult so as a director you've got to understand your edit the more short films you do to learn how to edit is vital i'm so glad i did it definitely made me a better director for sure the good thing was was because i knew i was doing the cinematography before we shot mm. so a lot of the composition i i storyboarded virtually i'd say 90 plus percent of the film wow okay so i drew frame for frame the the vibe of the film so uh, you know part of my ocd is that like i don't like to look at shot lists when i shoot because i i need to have the vision of what i see in my mind to the point of where i just turn up talk with the cast and mm -hmm. then start start shooting it Mm -hmm. because it's the way I test myself. Like there's times where I'll, I'll maybe have a little gander at it, but ultimately like I need to know the flow because when I know the flow, it allows me freedom to, to cut stuff on the fly as we're shooting it. Mm -hmm. So there was days where we were able to um, reverse engineer some of the scene. Uh, we didn't have to finish at this point because we could finish it at this point, pick that point up a day or two later and then go back to where we were because a lot of it is about energy. You know, and sometimes the cast, because of the night shoots and that, you know, the energy was up or it was down or it was left or right. So mm. it's a case of being able to play with that. And by, I guess, by be being that editor mindset with the the composition already in, in my mind, it made mm -hmm. it so much more like fluid to be able to... Um, construct new ideas on on the fly yes absolutely and because you knew the project so well you knew written the script you you knew it inside out you'd storyboarded like you say 90 percent or more so by the time you come to shoot it you're like i i know this film let's see what the actors do and bring something new oh and this shot's nicer now as long as you're getting your coverage you know, that's totally fine. And I love to be free on the day. And it's so important to know the crap out of your film and prep it beyond its life. But when you come on the day to shoot it, be free and go, I could always revert back to what I was going to do. But hey, this is better. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, because like what I also like work doing with um, with my actors as well is like, I like to just see what they're doing. I, mm. I, don't, I don't actually really want to say too much. Like I, I try to not direct at all for the first like initial rehearsal or something because i want sure. to see what what they've brought they've spent time yeah, practicing yeah. and learning it in their rooms going through what they want to bring yeah, and you've yeah. got to let them show that yeah before going i want it this way first i, I totally agree with that yeah what, what have you brought me show me what you're doing yeah yeah, yeah absolutely because i think like one of the magical things especially with cast um when you've got people there is that i have an idea of what i see in these characters obviously you know you've wrote them You've lived closely with them. Yeah. It's now like it's up to the the chosen person you've cast for the role to really bring to life the essence of that character and even deeper than you even saw. Mm -hmm. um, because I love to be surprised by what people do with the work. If there's something that I'd see that maybe be more like, you know, she comes in and she walks over there or he walks over there. I see that okay, they come in and they do, okay, well, I thought that maybe we'd do this moment first. Mm. Do you know what? I love that. Yeah. Let's do that. 
you know, that's like the, the magic of it. It's magical, isn't it? When you're in that moment with your actors and you've set up the lights and you've maybe put a bit of smoke in the room, whatever, and you've got this, everything feels alive. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I mean, you can't take that away. You're about to put something on camera that could last forever. You know, people are going to watch this. That's yeah. amazing. It's like, it's you can't, bottle it if you could you'd sell it around the world because yeah. it's it, everything's alive everyone's synapses are working everyone's so excited to, it's like yeah let's get this the best it can be i love those moments and chloe for you during this time on set how was this period because like you say there's not many of you you're making food you're organizing everything talk us through the logistics because you said 14 locations talk us through planning you know a micro budget indie film at this level when there is very few of you and it's just you guys making it it was tough i'll say it's tough i think the experience with doing live events helped massively because it's very mm. similar but probably a little bit more stressful where you know you're planning something massive over the course of maybe three or four months that then all has to happen live at a certain time and if it doesn't then it's fucked basically yeah. so that kind of element <laughs> of plan planning and yeah budgeting and scheduling is kind of the experience that I've got from that. I think if I hadn't have had that, I'd probably found it quite daunting. But yeah, at the point of doing this film, I hadn't learned or used movie magic. So it was pretty much all Excel that I was doing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we kind of, I just went through the script, you know, we started looking at all the locations. We scouted every location together, um, started booking them all. Pretty much everything was shot in Kent. Yeah. And then obviously I managed the cast, their availability, obviously being lower budget, we had to keep like jiggling and jaggling around with people's mm -hmm. availability and you know but also trying to maximize location so we're not you know jumping around and, and spending other days in there we didn't need to yeah i mean the house was probably the toughest we were in there for a month living breathing the film literally 24 7 um, so you lived there at the same time yeah right so you yeah. moved in if yeah, you like so we, right. we moved in that's tough yeah to not come home to not have that little <laughs> moment right just okay like, <laughs> yeah just have a breather yeah but if you and was everyone else living there i say everyone else the, the... no so it was um obviously me and leroy so we we moved in um we had a couple of days to set dress the entire house didn't we yeah, yeah. um so we booked it for a month we shot pretty much every day apart from two days wow. and who plays lucy um mm -hmm. moved in because she lives in bath so rather than her travel backwards and forwards you know she's in pretty much every scene mm -hmm. he had a room um but yeah it was pretty much us three and then some of the other cast for the longer days would stay if it was a super late night shoot they would stay because it was you know four or five bedroom house mm -hmm. so yeah there was the option there for that rather than them drive home at like 6 a.m yeah. which is and then to come back early <laughs> yeah but yeah that was that was hard i'm not gonna lie that was difficult i mean Leroy is very much nocturnal. I had to get adjusted to nocturnal life, um, <laughs> which was really difficult. Yeah, which is, incidentally, the name of your production yes. company, yes. Uh, Nocturnal. So I think I passed the test. I think I'm, I'm now nocturnal. But yeah, that was difficult because, you know, I was, on average, we were finishing at like five or six. I was doing the ditting, so I was a DIT. You were DITing as yeah. well. So everyone finished and I was backing up all the bloody footage onto hard drives. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And then... Hopefully doing it right as well, that fear. <laughs> Honestly, it's frightening it's doing frightening DIT. It's frightening when you've got a Leroy behind yeah. you going, where? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to lie, I did have a couple of wind-ups. I was like, are you really sure you've backed this like, up? Oh, oh you did? Like, oh, no. I'm God. just about to delete. Yeah, I'm about to press delete. No, delete. no. I just and let I'm me check like, again. Let me check, uh, let me check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but it, as it... I know it's sounds a bit silly and it's a bit like you know 
to actually say a bit terrifying. It was. I did mm. do it on purpose though, because I just wanted to make sure that whatever we were doing, we were keeping on top of yeah. Um, yeah. the the information that we've recorded because yeah. to manage the terabytes of data in 4K, oh my <laughs> God, like mm-hmm. yeah, you get one shot, if you delete, you're gone and it's like a whole day. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so to try and make light of it, I tried to make a joke, but actually, uh, I was <laughs> looking back now. <laughs> yeah. It's funny it's now. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was doing that and then trying to, like, you know, it's not filming the nights that I found hard. It was trying to sleep in the day, yeah. which I find really difficult because you've got the adrenaline and the, sh- you know, the, the stress mm. of everything. So then I would like get up from before everybody else, start prepping food, cooking food, you know, getting all the props ready. I was also doing wardrobes, I'd like get everyone's clothes ready. Yeah. Um, and set dressing, the new set dress that you said you're doing. So you're doing, you're literally doing everything. Yeah, yeah. it was, yeah, it was, it was hard. As much as that gives you a certain control, which, you know, we all want as creatives, we can't help it, you know, we like that. If you could, would you have looking back would you have had more people would you have what like what you've learned because obviously of course you go yes of course i'd like that person of course but actually looking back and what you've learned are you glad you did that i 100 percent glad we did it the way we did it because mm. you know it's it's our first film it was a low budget if we'd had other people yeah it made things easier but i think what we yeah like you say what we learn and the control we had over things and it was such a small team anyway it was you know it sounds harder than it was it it was a lot to deal with but it wasn't like you know it wasn't extremely difficult i don't know if it's just because of what i'm used to dealing with yeah i think it definitely has helped you know you doing production management and others and doing event work is hugely stressful and big events so yeah i definitely think it helped you but it's still a different mindset isn't it it? it's your baby it's your film now it's very different and i think that the hardest thing i found was um just the lack of sleep probably Mm. like and and shooting nights for such a long time in a row Mm. trying to remember (laughs) doing everything was was tough but you know i think we wouldn't obviously want to do it like that again but i think we wouldn't say no if we had to would we if it was depending on the project no no, definitely not maybe maybe catering i don't want to do that ever that's no fun because people just complain anyway (laughs) you know what i mean it's 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 so hard to do catering you know when we made serial killer's guide to life we did have uh, many more crew but we were you know people were doing everything you know Mm. you were i was cleaning out the toilets of the rv you know you were doing whatever it was to make sure that life for everyone else was okay Mm -hmm. and i think as an indie film producer you do get the you know the rough end of the stick it is literally like well yeah who else is going to do it and you Mm. you forget you're the boss you're the person (laughs) who has to do that or ask someone else to do it but if you think well if i wouldn't do the toilets then why can't why should i ask someone else to do it what have you learned taking forward then chloe for for your next one as producer on that kind of you know obviously you're gonna hopefully upscale but who knows um but yeah it'd be interesting to know i'd probably say the biggest thing i have learned is to be patient i'm the most probably the most impatient person i've learned so much through the back end of you know delivering and sales and distribution that's been very tough mm-hmm. yeah i'd probably say that's probably the, the most that i've learned is to be patient and to trust in your process and what you're doing because there was a lot of times where i was like oh god is this really going to work out you know are we going to find the right home for the film um, you know, is it going to get to the right person? We had obviously big expectations for it. And it's, mm. and obviously the, all the setbacks we had, you know, with Lee was arm, the camera, you know, we had COVID during post and mm-hmm. loads of things. And it was like, it all ended up working out for the better. So I think you just got to really trust 
the process and you can do it if I can do it with absolutely no experience in film you know other producers can do it you've just got to really trust what you're doing believing what you're doing and definitely believe in the vision of your director because that's one thing I didn't need to worry mm-hmm. about I mean if, it, if I was doing this with someone else I'd probably have struggled with really trusting that and the vision that they have but because I know Leroy I know how he works I know how obsessive and anal he can be <laughs> with certain things the, that's why the films turned out looking as good as it looks because mm-hmm. you know I've trusted him to let him do that and then I've taken care of the other stuff so everything probably, else for him yeah, that's probably yeah. the biggest, biggest stuff I've Amazing. Uh, let's come back to sales and distribution in a minute. Leroy, the same question to you then in that sense of what have you taken away? What have you, what have you learned going forward to your, to your next film? Because I, I know you guys are going to make another film. So yeah, let's yeah. talk about that. I've, I've learned just to trust in the process. Like there's no magic. Like everyone's looking for shortcuts. Like, you mm. know, like get, get ripped quick in 20 minutes. Do this, do that. Mm. All of a sudden, uh, fast track your filmmaking better. It, there's no, there's no fast track. It's, yeah. it's not a fast track. Like, I think that's, for me, the biggest thing that I can take away is that if I can see it as a director and have a vision for something, then I know it's achievable. Because everything that I saw when I was in Colombia with the idea, I trusted that. I don't know why I trusted it. I just trusted it. I'm someone <laughs> who believes very much you, you have to trust intuition and not thought process of the mind because the mind lies whereas your intuitive factors take you towards your um your essence right so uh, we're going a bit spiritual now but i'm quite into mindset and, and believe very much that we have uh, virtually every ability that we ever need to do what we need to do but we have to sift through um, a lot of the conditioning that t- teaches us to not do stuff that we believe we can do. So mm-hmm. for me, it was like reaffirming more so. I, I knew I could vibe the cinematography. I didn't know how I knew. I just felt that I knew that I could do it. And when we first done the lighting test in there, mm-hmm. the footage that we got is nothing like the footage that we shot. Right. So that whatever happened in a process of, you know, fight or flight, mm-hmm. you know, by trusting in your ability to do a task, it allows you to um, to ascend further. So I would say the biggest thing I can take away from the whole process was just, and, and you know, for anybody else that's ever doubting themselves, because we're, you know, as people, we're always doubting our ability to, mm-hmm. to do a said task, is to not make it any more complicated because the world is going to do enough of that for you. If you can get out of your own way and allow the room um, and in your lane, in your lane, and, and your lane is important to remember because mm-hmm. what some do doesn't mean everybody's going to be able to do what they do. Mm-hmm. But what you've got to look at is what can you do? Mm-hmm. What is your thing? How can you be the best version of that for you in your process? Because I understand, like, you know, not everybody's going to have an issue with budget. Some people might just go, oh, my God, I've got, like, 500 grand let's just go and make a film and they throw people at it they'll have other issues then yeah yeah. yes (laughs) our process was we didn't have that opportunity um you know we just had a little bit we just put that in but then again there might be some people who won't even be able to do what we did so then they're gonna have to go oh i've only got an iphone but it's about okay every new level brings a new devil but how do we work this level and then take the next step and then the next step Mm. so um, for, for, for me, ultimately, the last riot was a beautiful uh, process of learning about um, story, 
learning about you know working under pressure mm-hmm. in in a in a small space and ultimately just trusting the um the process that's going to take you through hell it's going to fucking test you like fuck mm-hmm. but if you hold on and keep keep in mind also and this is for for anybody that that maybe might get something from it is keep in mind when you first started on the journey when you had the idea and it becomes exciting mm-hmm. because it's almost like hearing a joke a thousand times, you know, after the first and the second mm. and third time, it gets a bit boring. And after the 10th time, you're like, oh my God, already shut up. And the thing is, is just to remember that that vision that you started in the very, 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 very start because of the days test you, you have a bad day on set because Indeed. logistics don't work, this and that, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. you know, one or two of our days got rain rained on mm-hmm. so we could we just one or two unlucky <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah we got quite lucky but we had to move stuff around and you can always look at the problem mm. but i feel like rather than look at the problem as a problem find the solution and be the solution that ultimately resolves it very nice well let's talk about distribution then sales and distribution because what is a success story here is you know you have you know got it with samuel goldwyn films you know it's it's huge it's just wonderful talk us through this you you said there you had to learn a lot it was difficult your process there chloe of that and learning massively on on the way and being frightened of you know we all hear about these predatory distributors and it's 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 a lot it's a lot for us as filmmakers and you go i don't know the answer when you someone goes i want your film here's a contract you go "Ah, jesus look at that (laughs) oh my god and you feel out your debt you go "Ah, you don't want to make a mistake you don't want to be ripped off but at the same time you you've you've got to learn it and learn it quick how was your process with that how did you manage to do it oh god um there was a a lot of screams and tears and stuff shit what's going on yeah it was it was tough i'm not gonna lie i found it i found out the hardest part mainly because like Mm. you say trusting people knowing who's the best to go with and yeah you're learning stuff like you don't really know how I didn't really know how it went I've read books on producing I've read books on sales and distribution listened mm-hmm. to amazing podcasts and Bless you know you. you get some you know tips and tricks and things but I mean it's down to you at the end of the day so yeah we finished the film and then we started contacting sales agents and we started sales agents and some distribution companies at the same time this is when it's completed are you sending out yeah well we thought it was completed didn't we and then we kind of went back in and did some fine but that's okay to do that as long as it's a completed this could go out if we wanted to yes yeah so we started that process and probably like everybody else got lots of no's it's like oh god it's an audio tech film Mm. Um, well at that point you suddenly (laughs) think is my film any good it's this weird process you know you've got a good film but then suddenly everyone says no and you're like what but it's just because it's not right for them at the time or it's in the wrong wheelhouse or they've got a film just like it but they don't tell you that they just say no or ignore you you go through this like weird process of oh my like you say you sort of like is it is it good is it we've seen Mm. it so much is it still good is it Mm -hmm. is it still a horror film or is it not you know we go went through this weird thing for like a year almost it took a long time um Mm -hmm. and obviously we i was just gonna say like uh, just on the back of that like one of the the biggest things that we encountered i'd say was last year around september to november because we just had like a few no's like which were like some of the last no's that we ultimately didn't want to hear because we was like fuck does this Mm -hmm. actually mean that like 
our movie is not where we thought it was going to go in mm-hmm. terms of execution value, in terms of story, in terms of this and that. And then th- th- there's this weird little thing that goes on when you, you, I guess you could say it's like riding on a hill, going down the hill, going really fast. You're like, where are you enjoying it? And then you reach the flat road and the flat mm-hmm. road is about five miles, 20 miles long. Mm-hmm. At that point, what I said about being earlier about, um, about keeping in tune with the vision when you first had it, this is where that long time telling joke becomes to wear thin and you have to revert back to how you first heard it. Because if you don't, you could be in serious, serious danger of unraveling a lot of elements of your story. You could rehash the story. You could be doing all sorts of things to try and please where you feel it should be going. But ultimately, your essence and your, your inside is going, no, we, I remember this first feeling when I first had it. Mm. And it was amazing. You've got to keep hold of that. Yeah. Because we was at a point, and I, and I remember this very well, where I'd cut, and, I, and I'm very glad that I'd cut bits. And I said earlier on, like, I, I love killing the baby. I love going in and removing scenes. We removed, mm-hmm. removed several scenes. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where I was like, at this point, I am no longer going to cut. If nobody likes it, fuck them. I don't give a fuck. You're happy with the film as is. I'm going to put it out myself. This is where it's going to be. And if Mm. people don't vibe it, I don't give a fuck. It's going to be where it's going to be. And that's it. But again, out of darkness comes some light. This was Mm -hmm. one of those things where we'd heard a lot of no's and it was like, unsure, unsure, unsure. And then out of nowhere, you know, we, we'd attracted a sales agent, you know, which was cool. You know, like that Mm -hmm. opened up some potential for connecting to other people. And then, that had a bit of its own process. And then we were waiting and then we're like, oh my God. Like, so slow. <laughs> yeah. so slow. Unless it's leading up to a festival where soon yeah. they're like, we need an answer now. Most yeah. of the time they're really slow. <laughs> and I'm like the opposite. I'm so overly obsessively efficient. That probably gets mm. on people's nerves, but it's like, that's a good thing as a producer yeah. and they are slow yeah. so, what, so, so you're at that place now chloe what did you do next you just suddenly had a bit of a yes what was the process for you to to make get it over the line yeah so obviously we cut um a good chunk out and obviously we started getting some really good feedback after we'd done that which i think helped yeah. the film massively so we signed with our sales agent we sort of went through the contracts um, we did get a lawyer involved for that because I sort of, you know, this was territory I was not quite familiar with. Mm-hmm, um, good. I mean, yeah. I knew what was good. And I knew what was bad. But, you know, when you're reading these contracts, there's certain things in there that are just, you know, I have no idea what they mean. There's a lot of gobbledygook. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that unless you know this shit, yeah, it exactly. can bite you in the bum, you know, just, just, just too much. <laughs> and it's written in a way that makes absolutely no sense. So yeah, don't, yes. any filmmakers don't, you know, don't scrimp on that stuff because that can really fuck you up down the line. Well, it's very important to spend some time yeah. learning it yourself, but also bringing a lawyer yeah. in just yeah. for that extra little bit at that point. Yeah. Just to check over. I mean, it's, it's not cheap, but you know, you've got that sense of, and I mean, our lawyer just went over it like mm-hmm. crazy. And, you know, we were happy with what we get had back um so yeah we signed with them and then it was kind of i think it was just before efm so that was our i think that was our first market and obviously then we started the horrendous process of deliverables which uh, is another if you're doing it on your own it is the worst it's really the worst and it's so annoying there's certain things in there you're like you don't need it 
in Dutch. You don't need a HD cam bloody. No, bloody thing. And, uh, 480p just, version. Yeah, exactly. Come on, you don't need a 480p version. Stop it. No. I know. He said, oh, in case we do cut downs. And yeah. he's like, no, no, but the effort I've got to do, I'll do those cut downs for you. Yeah, yeah. It's easier for me to do them, deliver it in these, all these things. Yeah, but totally. You've got to do it. And especially if you sign the contract, and this is something as well that's yeah. important, is if you're signing the contract for a sales agent, and you now don't deliver on those things that is in their contract that you have to deliver on, well, they don't have to pay you. Yeah. You know, it's really important. They take out the, all sorts of money. Yeah, so you've yeah. got to make sure that that contract, you can deliver on what it says. That's vital. Yeah. And I just think like, I'm someone that asks for everything from everybody, you know, and I, I'd like, I would always ask because you're only going to get a no. Like I've done it throughout, yeah. you know, everything, try and negotiate everything, try and see what you can get. Like it's the same with this. Although I didn't know hundred percent, you know, all the ins and outs, I negotiated quite a lot and I took mm. stuff out and there was things I brought down, like, you know, the marketing caps and all that kind of stuff, you mm. know, that yeah. Yeah, it's just nonsense, half of it. And, you know, you could really, get you know in the shit with certain things if you don't pay attention to it because there's so many little pools of money that can just dissipate yep. before you see anything yes. um so yeah we did all the deliverables i mean yeah i mean we're still doing some now depending on me. um so that's one thing i learned which was you know there's there's certain lists of deliverables with your sales agent but they're not that almost becomes redundant when you start obviously get delivering to the distributors in different territories because their mm -hmm. lists and their requirements are different so it's kind of never ending until you kind of finish all your territories. So yeah, then it went to the markets and we kind of just, you know, went, spent the whole of this year, just, you know, chasing and <laughs> chasing and <laughs> chasing. Um, but yeah, it's done, it's done really well, which is amazing. You know, we've got Samuel Goldwyn obviously with the US. Now mm -hmm. that is something that was super unexpected, wasn't it? And yeah, something yeah. that my whole kind of trust your pros, trust the process and be patient is exactly mm -hmm. what that comes to because we had other offers for the US, but they weren't as good. And then we were getting lots of, went through a whole stage of getting no's. And we were like, oh my God, yep. the whole of America doesn't want our film, you know? And we mm. could have settled with like a not very good deal and a different distributor. Yep. And you could, you could so easily just be like, you know, everyone's saying no, it's no good. We're just going to take that. And if we had, we would never have got something. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That we're coming back to what I was saying again, not so long ago is like, Trusting that process, that was it, it's like so, so important because you will sail your boat up the river, which mm -hmm. is a film, mm -hmm. for any offer. Because anybody coming out the woodwork, well, yep. sounds like a fucking good deal, right? Because mm -hmm. you've had so many no's. Yeah. And you've been, you've put yourself through all that pain of yeah. getting a film yeah, made man. and deliverable, ready to yep. be delivered. You're like, please yep. take it, please like me at that <laughs> point. But actually, this is when you're at your most valuable because yeah. you've got an asset. You know, yeah. here. But you're also at your most vulnerable when you've heard mm. so many no's. Yeah. Yes, and you the, are. Yeah. The things you say no to in life are just as important as the things you say yes to. Mm. So I'm a big advocate for sometimes if it doesn't match what I see as a vision for what I want to fucking do, I don't give a fuck what people think. Fuck you. It's going to go this way or that way. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm, I'm probably out of the two of, two of us, I'm a bit more of a Trojan horse with things. I That's have good. to let Chloe deal with certain things because... My approach is very direct. You know? Very much fuck you. But, <laughs> yeah. going, I'd love to say fuck you, but... <laughs> but thank you very much, but we will not be fuck accepting you very your much. offer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like, what the fuck is that? No, I ain't doing that shit, fuck that. But yeah. it's like, you know, it, I, I, I try, I'm not like that direct, but I can be. But the mm. key is, it's like when you're at your vulnerable, because we 
just before Samuel Goldwyn. Which is an offshoot of MGM, by the way, for everyone. Yes, just they're amazing. Be- just before them, like we had probably got to the stage where we was like, do we maybe accept the fact that our film just isn't what we felt it was going to be or do? Because we don't have a cast member in it, being one of the... One of the biggest things, I think, that affected mm. the nose, it was they were like, oh, you know, it's great, it's this, but, you know, in our territory, da-da-da-da. It, it was all about the cast. They weren't names or a name-ish, a horror name-ish, but th- th- there's not many of them. So, yeah, it's excuses sometimes, yeah. I think that's what it was. And we'd got to the stage where it was just like, well, we'll hold on a bit longer and see. And then, oh, we, you've got a deal, Samuel Goldwyn. I'm like... They love it. And it's really weird because yeah. at first it didn't register with me who that was. Yeah, you were just like, is there someone stolen a name or <laughs> something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another company name, sure. And I remember this one night, right? We, we, we sat on a deal. We was like, this, like having a little vibe for it. Like, okay, it doesn't seem too bad and whatever. And I said to my nan, I was like, oh, man, by the way, uh, we've got this offer for this company in America. I think we're going to go with it. It's uh, this company called Samuel Gold. And she's like, you know, my nan, uh, what day, Samuel Goldwyn? Is that what she said? She's like, what, you mean Metro Goldwyn Mayor? Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, yeah, Metro Goldwyn MGM. I'm like, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> like, literally, it's how jaded. Yeah, because you were like, it can't be. Yeah, it's too, it's too big. It's too, yeah, absolutely. But look, the last right, I loved it. Like I say, an incredible achievement. It's amazing what you've done. It's inspiration for everyone out there to go and do. You can do it. You can do it. Don't be afraid. It's out in the US now and it'll be out in the UK very soon. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming on. It's honestly been incredible. Really, really, really insightful. And I've loved listening to your story as well. So thank you. Oh, thanks no, for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. It's been great, man. Loved it. Thank I love you. this podcast. I listen to yeah. it all the time. That's not, like, I literally do. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Likewise, when I'm doing yeah. deliverables and contracts, I'm like, yeah. right. I'm gonna right. Podcast <laughs> yeah, let's give some inspiration. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. Where can people find you on the social? Have you got a, a website? I think you've got a website for The Last Right, haven't you? Yeah, so The Last Right website is thelastrightmovie.com um, <laughs> and The Last Right is on Instagram, which is at The Last Right Movie as well. They're our main two and we're on Twitter as well, which is The Last Right Film. Perfect. So go follow them there. Links to that will be in the show notes. Do go follow, do go support. It's so important that you support indie film, even if you can't afford to buy the film, if you can't watch it, but you can support by tweeting or saying thank you so much for giving your time up to talk about how you made your film. So gives inspiration to you so that's the least you can do so please do support indie filmmakers it's vital we all stick together and do this because we can do it together we can get to the top and then we'll be studios and then the indie filmmakers will hate us we should own distribution companies that's what we should do yeah, we should. distribution that's what we should do that's yeah, the next yeah. step amazing thank you so much um it's been an absolute pleasure remember you can go out there and make your indie film but remember who your audience is and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it is your duty to send the elevator back down we will see you next tuesday as always chloe thank you thank you giles Leroy, thank you and thank you kindly for having us it's been a pleasure pleasure absolute pleasure take care everyone bye-bye